Why don't we pray again? Father, thank you that this is your word. Father, you spoke your word, you breathed your word out, and men, men put it down on paper. Father, thank you that when we come to your word, you promise that it will not come back to you empty, that your word will always do our work as you intend it to. So, Father, we ask that you prepare our hearts, that we would let your word do its work in our hearts as you intend it to today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are with the cards. They've got uh, a lot more uses than just uh, simply uh, reading them, as I can see. Looking out, good, Phil, good demonstration. Um, so make use of these uh, in many different ways. Here we are, we, uh, 8th of July, the parable of the great banquet. Uh, we're, um, what are we, a third, nearly a third of the way through our series, which is just taking the stories of Jesus. No series where we have to follow. If you miss a Sunday, uh, you're in trouble. Uh, this is why we're doing it over summer, knowing that people come and go uh, are here for one week, away for two, it's holidays, it uh, depends. So here we are, standalone, the parable of the great banquet. Before we dive in, here's the question I would love to ask you, is you... Um, just chat amongst yourselves. When you wonder about heaven, when you stop to think about your eternity, where does your mind go? Where does your mind go to when we today are saying we're going to talk about heaven together? Go, just for a few moments with the people next to you. What do you think about? Go, just paint the picture. Well, let me pull you back and let's uh, come back together. But it's a great starter of conversation uh, when we have the fruit punch um, at the end to carry on that conversation about what you think about uh, when we talk about heaven. And maybe the story this afternoon will focus your minds a little bit more. I wonder where you went. Did you go to the place? Did you think about the surroundings, the geography, perhaps the streets paved with gold? Did you go to the activity, resurrected bodies to jump, to run, to run and not grow weary, free from any kind of injury, including hamstrings? Did you go to the people from every tribe and nation and multitude, families, friends, loved ones, Moses? Or did you go to the king? It would be the place where I'm face to face with the Lord Jesus. So when Jesus is with a load of important guys reclining at the table for food. And in verse 15 we read when one of those at the table with him heard this that Jesus had already said. He said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. All attention now 
is on heaven. All people want to hear about is Jesus' view on this subject. Why? Is this the talk of the town? Heaven? Like World Cup fever? Is it heaven headlines? Why? Well, come back with me to the beginning of chapter 14. Verse 1, it says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. This is authentic for the time. Jesus is seen as a traveling rabbi. And the form of the day was to invite the rabbi to the house of the prominent religious leader for a meal. Why? It's not just pleasantries. It's not just a a happy hello and on your way. It's to investigate the political and theological view of the rabbi who's visiting, who's journeying. You see, Jesus is being carefully watched. There is hidden agenda to catch Jesus out. Remember last week if you were here? If not, download the podcast. The question here is framed not to get the opinion of Jesus' view of heaven. It's will the question on the messianic banquet, will it trap him? Will it catch him out? You see verse 5, stay with me in chapter 14. He's already healed a man on the Sabbath. It goes against everything that the religious authorities of that day stand for. And then he goes on to challenge them about their etiquette at a dinner party. He talks about taking the best places. Then he talks about inviting those whom can't invite you back. He is challenging their motivation to follow the law. He's challenging them. The code to be righteous. How do they see it in their own eyes? So the statement, the pious religious statement. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, says one of them as they're reclining. It's not even a question. It's a statement. A high religious statement. It's got pomp all about it. It's, it, it, it's too in your face. It's a little bit like me if there was a guy from Sweden in the room. I don't think there is. It's a little bit like me saying this. Well, England win. We go on into the semi-final. Football's coming home. It's like me saying that right in front of a Swede. Not, hey, let's talk about the game. What am I trying to prove? Where am I going with that kind of statement? And so the man who says, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. It's a statement that's right in the face of Jesus. And he's there to trap him. He's there to challenge him. He's there to see how Jesus will respond. But you see, the man isn't just plucking an idea, a feast in the kingdom of God. The man isn't plucking a, 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 an idea from thin air. saying, oh, I wonder if Jesus can translate this into the language of heaven. He goes right back into Isaiah 25. You see, they're religious leaders. They know their Bibles. They know their Old Testament. 
And Isaiah 25 verse 6 says this, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Here is the messianic banquet. This is the fulfillment of God's kingdom. So it's not just an idea, a concept plucked out of thin air. No, no, this guy knows his Bible. This guy knows that the Messianic banquet is the feast in heaven. The thing is, who's going to be there? You see, the man asking Jesus has got his idea of who will be there already. And Jesus flips His whole understanding around. Here's the expected reply of the rabbi. This is what the people around the dinner table would have been expecting. Something like this. Remember the statement, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Here's the expected reply. Oh, that we might keep the law in a precise fashion so that we will be worthy to sit with the Messiah at his banquet. There's the expected reply. And so Jesus tells a parable. He tells a story. Remember, it's the way of invitation. Jesus is saying, let him who has ears, let him hear. What is Jesus really saying well he tells the story to people who want to go to heaven he tells the story to people around the table who assume they will be in heaven but he tells the story to people around the table who don't acknowledge that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that's why the parable is timely and fitting For us today. Where did your conversation go. When we talked about heaven. For we all want to. Go to heaven. Don't we. And so therefore it's crucial. That we understand how to get there. And so let's break this parable up into two parts. Here we see the incredible rejection. From the guest list. And secondly we see the incredible generosity. Of the host. So come with me, 16, the incredible rejection from the guest list. Jesus replied to the statement. Off he goes with the story. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and inviting many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Here's the great banquet. Please don't miss this. This is not a quick, spontaneous barbecue round at the Lancasters. And by the way, bring your own meat. This is not that. It is a premeditated, well-prepared feast of lavish proportions. It is the mother of all feasts. Think now. Where were you? When was it? The mother of all feasts. The other day, I was chatting with Gareth. And we worked out that we were at a wedding 10 years ago, the same one. We didn't know each other then, but we worked out, uh, so was uh, Kerry, um, and so was, oh, I can't remember the name. 
Oh, no, you weren't. You weren't, Amy, you weren't. Sorry, you weren't. It was before you were married. You missed out. You missed out. Because here's what the conversation went like. Yeah, I remember that wedding. Six-course dinner. Who was getting married again? No, no. I just remember there was sorbet in between the courses. I remember the beef was so thick. It was 10 years ago, and I can still vividly remember it. This is a banquet, is a feast to blow your mind. And you see a double invitation is needed. First, a response is needed. You see, the servant will have already gone round to the houses. And then he comes back to the host. And therefore, now we know how much meat. The meat is worked out. What needs to be slain in order to put the banquet on? It's already been a yes from the people who've replied. So now the servant is going back out and he's saying, we're done. The meat's ready. It's all sorted. It's cooked and ready to roll. Come. It's all ready to go. And you see, that's not unusual even now. Think about this. It's not unusual even now. Save the date card for a wedding. If you're smart, if you're prepared, you'll send one of those out. Sometimes a year in advance. And then the invitation comes perhaps a few months before with details for those who've responded positively to save the date. These people have all said yes. Now look at the excuses come firing in. The servant comes back and he says this. But they all alike, no, sorry, here's the story. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, are these excuses legit? I remember at our wedding when the invitations went out. People said yes, and then when the week, the week just before we got married, then people began to pull out. One person, heavily pregnant, just can't risk coming over to Northern Ireland. A few of my mates didn't even fancy coming to Northern Ireland anyway, Um, but they'd already said yes, and we're on the plane ready. Um, Listen, we got one the day before. Listen, my child's not well. It's pretty sick. We're not going to be able to make it. So sorry. They're legitimate excuses in my book. I don't know if they're all true. Uh, But in my book, when we were getting married, legitimate excuses. But what about these excuses? I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Is it genuine? Perhaps if we read this at first glance, we go, it could be. But this excuse is a genuine insult. You see, the Middle East, there was so much desert. Agricultural land was so hard to find. So before a purchase was made, before a cropland was sought after, the buyer does so much research. He needs to look at the quality of soil, which direction the field is facing for the low winter sun. What about the drainage of the land? 
The purchase takes months, even years, and it's slowed down by the buyer, making certain that the land is good. Here's the equivalent for today. I call Kerry late at night, and I tell her I won't be back for date night, for I've just bought a new house with our savings in Kingsmere. And now I'm going to check it out to see how many bedrooms it has. That's the equivalent. It's an insult. It's outrageous. Look about verse 19. I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. See, no farmer bid on any kind of oxen without trying them out in pairs so that they would be yoked equally together. So that they would pull at the same speed. So that they would tire at the same time. When oxen were sold, there was a field round the back. So that farmers could try them out before they put their money down. I've just bought five yoke of oxen. Now I'm on my way to try them out. You see what Jesus is saying? The excuses are inexcusable. They're outrageous. Still another said, I just got married, and so I can't come. This is unspeakably offensive. Middle Eastern etiquette at the time was to speak with dignity and respect about one's wife. This man is pretty much saying, and forgive me for the crudeness, I have a woman upstairs and I am busy with her. There is no chance of me coming to your banquet And you see there, not even an apology is made. All are deliberate rejections. A deliberate two-finger gesture (coughs) of the servant who comes on behalf of his master. They actually demonstrate an absolute hatred for the host. And you see the hearers here won't be in any doubt what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God has broken through in me. And I'm a servant inviting you to the messianic banquet. And if you want to go, you have to accept me. But they're rejecting him, rudely rejecting him. And they're following other priorities, finding other ways to make it to the banquet. And Jesus is saying, there is no other. For this is incredible rejection from the guest list. Secondly, incredible generosity of the host. Look what happens. Verse 21, the servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor the crippled the blind and the lame the point is not lost on the listeners these people are unclean sinners those that are not worthy for the banquet but you see in verse 22 there is still room for the banquet is lavish (coughs) and the banquet is bountiful Verse 22, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has already been done, but there is still room. 
Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Look at the generosity of the host. Go now even to strangers outside the community. Go to the travelers who set up at the park and ride, who everyone seems to be against. The invitation is to all. And you see, remember the prophet Isaiah, because in verse 7 of chapter 25, Isaiah says this on behalf of God, on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations, all peoples, all nations. Isaiah prophesies that this will be the case. And look how Jesus finishes the parable in verse 24. You can imagine now looking directly at the people around him. I tell you. And the word you here is plural. He's come out of the story. And he's looking people in the eye who have heard the story. I tell you. Meaning you. There. You. There. You. There. I tell you. Not one of those who, who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Jesus is saying it is my banquet. I am telling you here. I am the Messiah. You only eat at my feast by accepting my invitation. And here's our challenge today. Have you accepted Jesus? Have you accepted his invitation to the heavenly banquet? You see, you must. It is folly if you don't. No one can enter heaven unless they're accepting the invitation. It's the same for people in this room. Perhaps you've kept coming along to town church. Do you know what? You don't need to learn anything new. Do you know you don't need to hear anything new from people around you? You don't need to hear anything you haven't already heard. Jesus says, I'm offering you life. Life to its fullness now and life everlasting. For Christians in the room, Perhaps been a Christian for so many years. You see what God is doing to the religious in the room here? Turning upside down the preconceived religious ideas. Convictions of how to get to heaven. God is not asking you, my Christian friend, to make yourself acceptable before him. You can't. We can't. We heard that as Gareth helped us understand last week in the parable of the Good Samaritan. A complete transformation needs to happen. We cannot follow the law. The law will not get us to heaven. For he sends his servant and son, Jesus Christ. And you see the word there, compel, compel, compel us to convict us. Today, Christian friend, trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sins. Don't think you have to earn it. 
We sometimes think, oh, I hope it will be okay in the end. Oh, I hope I do get to heaven. That's no good. It's no good. You're basing the results upon the performance in the end. Your performance. So to have true confidence today. That when he comes. When he comes and he will come. Or he calls you home. On your last day. Whenever that may be. For some it might be tomorrow. For others it might be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years time. True confidence. I am going to be at the banquet. Why? I simply said yes to the invitation. And the invitation says, come. All who are weary, come. Come and say sorry. Because I've come to die in your place. Come and seek forgiveness. Because forgiveness is found here. At the cross. Accept the invitation. And come. Don't say yes to the invitation. And then sack it in. Accept. And come. And here's the final point. As we think about people in Bista and beyond. I love Jenny's chat about trying to share life. And the gospel with other mothers in Bista. As Phil prayed that we at Town Church put on outreach events so that others may hear the good news of Jesus because we believe that the good news of Jesus, the invitation, is the only way to heaven. Surely there's something in this for us. As the servant goes and he compels and he convinces, not assault, this isn't a grab and come on to the banquet. It's gentle persuasion. But, but it's... It's on the front foot. It's persistence. It's going to the people that we love and care for. We want you in heaven. Say yes to Jesus. There's no other way. We want you in heaven. Because that's where we'll spend eternity together. May this parable drive us to Jesus if we don't know him. Drive us to Jesus if we've known him for years and years. Forget thinking we've got to try and prove anything. Keep coming back to Jesus. And may it drive us to an evangelistic vigor, fervor, compel those whom we love to accept the kind, generous invitation from the Lord of all, through his servant, the Lord Jesus. Let me pray, and then we'll sing of this wonderful grace, grace that says, please come, whoever you are, whatever you've done, grace, please come to the banquet. Father, thank you for this story, just a simple reminder of what the good news of Jesus is. Thank you for the invitation that it's open to all peoples, all nations, every single one of us in this room sorry when we make this invitation accepting it's so complex so complicated father we pray that today wherever we are with you that we'd stop we'd say trust you jesus thank you for forgiving me i'm coming coming to the banquet 
the mother of all banquets, which will go on and on and on and on and on and on and on forever. Pray that we'd all be there and pray that you'd help us this week to speak of Jesus, convincing, compelling people to come to town church, to listen, to hear, to accept the invitation. Father, we need your help. I desperately need your help to do that. And would that be out of a genuine love for you and for others, not to prove anything to the people around me, not to prove anything to you, but just because I care that people are with me in heaven. Father, please, would you, through this wonderful parable, would your word do its work in whatever way you would have it? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.